Hi there, and welcome to JK We Are Rolling, an actual play podcast about three young wizards who attend the most prestigious wizarding school in all of Germany. My name is Michael Moore, and I am the magician master of this campaign. And what that means is, well, I, I kind of make up the story, but I don't do it alone. I do it with a lot of input, so much input. And where does that other input come from? It comes from our wonderful players, and let's meet them now. Hi, guys. It's me, Lucas Fischer, and I am a player of the campaign. Yeah, and I play Jasper Casper. He's a human from the non-magical world, and all that Jasper wants is trying to find a place to belong, and I'm sure that we can help him. Hey, guys. My name is Nadine Kuhn, and I play a little rambunctious pixie elf called Sassly Mary Nature Spring. Sassly is an arcane scientist mage and determined to figure out how to fly because, well, she created herself wings, beautiful wings. They are really magical, but unfortunately, they don't fly. They just don't. Hello there, I am Sebastian Kinder, and I play Eric Miller, a musician, magician with a troubled past. Seemingly, his whole family has forgotten who he is, but luckily he found a few people around that are able to remember his name. Let's make more of them, shall we? <laughs> Do you want to make babies with them? <laughs> Just let's make more. No, let's make no. More of them. <laughs> well, we are going to catch up with our players and the characters that they play in just a little bit. But this is no regular episode of JK We Are Rolling. <gasps> this is a bonus episode. Bonus episode. And I'd like to start off this bonus episode by giving a recap, and no normal recap will this be. No, a mega recap of the past 16 episodes. So fasten your seatbelts and hold on tight. This is going to be a whirlwind journey through the land of magic that encaps that in Neudrachenberg is like in that land. Like the land is actually just our world, but like Neudrach, it's not the land of Neudrachenberg. That's just a castle. But you know, you see what I was getting at. All right. It's exciting. <laughs> exciting. <laughs> no, I really have a good picture of it. The first <laughs> sentence of the recap was spot on. <laughs> no, I'm in the story. I'm in it. I'm this in it is now. the first sentence of the recap. Okay, now get yourself a drink. So far on JK, we are rolling. Our story began at Stuttgart Main Train Station. There we met Eric Miller, who was saying goodbye to his family friend, Jonathan. Jonathan is an experienced creator of magical instruments and gave Eric the gift of a violin bow that could contain his wand as soon as he got one. Jonathan told Eric where to go and turned to leave, but bumped into a tall blonde boy on his way to the train platform. Jasper Casper was running to get to the train to school on time after having slept in a public bathroom the night before. Weirdly dressed in camping gear, messenger bag slung over his shoulder, and holding his new book, How to Be a Witty Wizard, Jasper greeted Jonathan nervously before Jonathan told him he could join Eric. Jasper and Eric approached the Dunkin' Donuts, where they were told to give the employee behind the counter a secret password. Before they could get any further, however, they were joined by a short, hooded, hunchbacked character with pink hair. Sassly Mary Nature Spring had walked all the way from Denmark to barely make it in time for the train to school. It took some time to get the attention of the behind-the-counter guy, but they were finally able to order the Black Forest Cake, No Cherry, Cherry Lady. 
The three of them were then able to swing open the interior of the drink refrigerator to reveal a portal to the Magiflix train platform to Neudrachenberg. But the train was pulling away just as they entered. Luckily, the school had sent someone to pick up late students for just a situation such as this. Mildred Mulberry awaited the latecomers. One more late student showed up, Flip McCool, and everyone piled into Mildred's magical mint green VW van and used a series of interconnected magical highways called the Encantobahn to get to Neudrachenberg. Upon arriving at school, the students were all given wands and small vials to keep items and materials in. Mildred and the four students then entered the main hall, where the shield naming ceremony was just beginning. Each student would wear a special amulet that would tell them if they belonged in Wolf Shield, a red crest featuring a wolf with wings, Bear Shield, a green crest featuring a bear with ram's horns, or Horse Shield, a blue crest featuring a horse with peacock's plumes. Ross Ehrenmann, the director of magic at Neudrachenberg Academy, oversaw the shield naming ceremony, and our group entered just as a broad-looking student with a crooked nose was getting placed into Wolf Shield. The next name to be called out was Flip McCools. He went to the front of the room and placed the amulet on himself, but as soon as he put it on, the amulet projected these words out. The choice is clear. I must come for you all. My long wait is finally over, and soon I shall once more walk where I have long been forbidden. But first, I'll take this. The hall plunges into darkness, and children are screaming. The light returns to the hall, but where once stood Flip, now stood dozens of tiny winged creatures. They gave off a faint dark glow, these fuzzy balls with bat-like wings. Teachers began leaping into action, and one plump teacher even fainted. Ross pulled his pan pipe from his back and began sending magical waves out to stop the creatures, but three Drood flew directly down the center of the hall and our three adventurers fought them off bravely. Once they were clear of the Droods, Mildred Mulberry brought the students to the servants' quarters where Ross Ehrenmann eventually met them. He told them that they would be given shields, eventually. But for now, this would be their common room, the beaten up, forgotten servants' quarters. Mildred Mulberry agreed to act as their shield matron for the time being. The group found school robes and course books in their rooms and quickly went to sleep after their long day. Except Sassley, who snuck back out. She had earlier revealed that she wasn't humpbacked at all, but had been hiding a marvelous pair of wings that she had made herself. Unfortunately, they don't work, so she went off to search for the answer to flight. Finding Ross Ehrenmann's office, Sassley attempted to break in, but was quickly overwhelmed by the defenses of the door. Ross found her and made her promise to set a good example as the first pixie elf to attend Neudrachenberg in over 100 years. Pixie elves are generally mistrustful of humans, after all, preferring to use their innate magical abilities and stick to their own rural communities. Sassley sort of agreed and gave Ross the quickest of hugs before going to bed. The next morning, Mildred walked our group to their first class, Magical Creatures 101 with Professor Peggy Sheffin. As the group entered, they heard whispers of shieldless and had a quick altercation with a smug young wolf shield, Brock Carter, and his friends Mallory and Lucian. Professor Sheffin then gathered the class and explained the difference between material and shadow creatures. These creatures have magic woven into the fiber of their being, and that magic can originate from either the material world that we all live in or its dark, shadowy reflection. She then challenged each shield, or shieldless, to catch a Rasselbach. The shieldless ended up going after Peggy's familiar, a Rasselbach named Bumper. 
They made their way through a high hedge maze. Along the way, Eric was able to charm a jazzy ghost named John Poltrain more than once. At the end of the maze, the group met an older student, Charles LeMay, who offered to turn them into bunnies in return for a later favor. Sassley accepted the deal and was instantly transformed into an adorable bunny. The transformation did the trick as Bumper fell instantly for Bunny Sassley, and the group completed the class before any other shield, earning them their first Crystal Bearer point. The Crystal Bearer title is given to a group of first years who show extraordinary promise, usually a group of students belonging to a specific shield. But the group could barely celebrate with Professor Sheffin before three Alps, stony gargoyle-like creatures, broached the shield around Neudrachenberg and ran directly into the school. Peggy went off to take on two of the creatures, leaving Bumper to assist the students. And assist he did! Bumper, in a move that might make someone call certain people a bad game master, basically single-handedly defeated the Alp. On the Alp's neck, the shield was found what they would later find out was a touchstone, a blue one with strange symbols on it. The group decided not to share this information with Professor Sheffin, instead going to Mildred Mulberry. Mildred had asked them earlier to investigate anything suspicious going on in the castle, especially from new students or teachers. However, when she immediately confiscated the touchstone, the group found the most suspicious person of all to be none other than Mildred herself. A first-year bear shield named Leela Kleiner came by the room and let the shieldless know that she heard the wolf shield taunting them earlier and thought that was wrong. She also offered the knowledge that the library was a good source of information, and even had a restricted area for dark magic. Sassley and Jasper immediately went about making the situation as awkwardly romantic for Eric as possible, before the three went off to the library. Once in the library, they met Gutta, the living statue head librarian, who told them about the different sections of the library. They made their way to the restricted section, where another statue named Enda guarded the way. After some extremely unsuccessful attempts to fool Enda into letting them in, he agreed to let them in if they would get a book from inside for him, Secrets of Living Stone. Agreeing that it sounded like a fair trade, the Shieldless entered the restricted section, but not before having to pass through the curse that keeps out students who don't have permits for the restricted area. They made it through the Jeopardy Jinx curse relatively unscathed, except for Eric, who ended up getting hit with one heck of a glammed condition leaving him highly susceptible to suggestion by basically anyone. Once in the restricted area, the group was able to get the book Secrets of Living Stone. They also found out that the symbol on the touchstone belonged to none other than an ancient cult, determined to combine the material and shadow realm into one realm. This cult is called the Einheitsan. Sassley found a restricted edition of her old favorite book, Elfenreich, in ancient times, where she noticed a strange inscription under some winged elves speaking of an instance called Perkta's Tear, or possibly Perkta's Tear. The group then barely managed to fend off the protective ravens of the restricted section, managing to avoid a fight with them and get Eric to listen to them instead of the persuasive ravens. The group headed out of the library after handing Enda's new book to him. They ran into Professor Georg Arkenau on the way, and, as anyone who has visited our Patreon page can tell you, had a brief encounter with Wolfshield, who had been following them until they were accidentally outed from their hiding spot by the ghost, John Poltrain. That encounter is free to listen to for anyone who visits our Patreon page, by the way, even if you don't pledge any dollars to us. Noise. As the Shieldless returned to their common room, Sassley and Jasper hatched a plan to sneak into Mildred Mulberry's room. Since Eric was under the influence of the glammed condition, it was decided that he would distract Mildred. 
Eric successfully got Mildred to leave her room unlocked, and had a heart-to-heart -heart with her. While the moral implications of using a glammed person as a distraction would haunt the group for a while, the talk actually went really well, and Mildred even gave Eric a potion to fight off conditions. The other two walked into Mildred's room to find a full-on ritual underway. Finding some suspicious letters to someone named King and no sign of the touchstone, the two disrupted the ritual, accidentally binding themselves to each other and to a small garden snake who was also present. Jasper took the snake with him, naming it almost instantly Wilbur, after his favorite teacher from school. Sassley and Jasper escaped Mildred's room so narrowly, like literally they almost didn't make it, but they did manage to get back to their room. The next day, Professor Loris Folivre picked up the Shieldless instead of Mildred. He was obviously fascinated by Jasper and led them to his classroom. Once in class, he explained the three tenets of the You Save Accords. Not to use magic to interfere with non-magical politics and machinations, to keep the magical world secret from the non-magical world, and to protect the world and realm from threats that non-magical folks are not equipped to deal with. As part of their training, three students would have to stop a kobold from destroying a Kmart in a very intense, but very realistic-seeming full-body illusion. The Shieldless were picked to go first and barely managed to win over and soothe the kobold with a very good wooden carving of himself, produced by Jasper. Another crystal bearer point one, and another apology from Jasper and Eric due to Sassley for covering her in green paint without permission, the Shieldless went to the lunchroom. But as they left the lunchroom, Charles LeMay's voice called them over to a corner. He wanted Sassley to return her favor, producing a touchstone and asking them to put it on Mildred's mug. He lied about what it was, but the group knew instantly. Moreover, if Sassley did not place the touchstone on the mug within four days, their magical pact would turn her into a bunny forever. The Shieldless decided to explore the castle and look for clues of other touchstones, heading to the very top of the tower, the Owlry. There they got a lay of the land and met Matthias Hinterhauser, an enterprising third-year horse shield with a veritable item shop. One crazy lucky investigation role by Jasper also had them spy Mildred Mulberry, searching for something in the gardens in front of Bear Shield. The Shieldless, wanting to make Michael the Magician Master sweat, wasted no time in going directly to Mildred and telling her basically everything. But they went too far when they told her about sneaking into her room and disrupting her ritual and reading her private information. She was furious and did not leave on good terms. The next day, Mildred came by and rather stiffly wished the group good luck in dueling class. She also asked them to go to the library after class and pick up a book on binding rituals. Using this, she could devise a plan with her students to capture Charles LeMay and find out what he was up to. She also told them his true name, Yazadva and revealed that he was a half-giant mage prince who could change his size at will. The Shieldless went off to a truly epic dueling class up against their student body nemesis, the Wolf Shield group headed by Brock Carter. The battle was a close one, but Brock's potent battle spells proved too much for our Shieldless, and they lost the duel. Still, Professors Georg Arkanal and Star Newsong came over and healed them up before dismissing the class. The Shieldless wasted no time in heading to the library to pick up the book Mildred had asked them to find, but found things there were more amiss than they had realized. Enda was now head librarian, and the library was completely empty. On top of that, Secrets of Living Stone sat high on a wall, glowing with an orange light. The group almost made it out of the library, but a voice called out for help in the back of the room, and Enda suddenly made to apprehend our three heroes. They made it to the voice who turned out to be Leela Kleiner and together traversed a series of deadly puzzles on the floor and made a plan to stop Enda. 
with Sassley floating and invisible, undetectable in any way, she made her way to the room where Goethe, Hesse, and roughly 30 students were being held captive. Leela, Eric, and Jasper fought off Enda and his replicas until he was weak enough that Sassley could get Secrets of Livingstone to Goethe and Hesse. With the other enchanted statues freed, Enda was quickly finished. In thanks, Goethe shared with the Shieldless an old yearbook with some information about a student who had gone missing 10 years ago, Harris Twilber. Then Ross Eremon came to get to the bottom of the library shenanigans. As Enda began to explain the Shieldless's involvement in this entire ordeal, Leela Kleiner stepped in and took the blame. Ross took her restricted area permit and took Enda away with him to await judgment. The group thanked Leela, but she assured them that her punishment was way less than what they would have received. The Shieldless returned to their room and passed out. The group slept through most of Saturday, but woke up in time to make plans with Mildred about how to catch Yzerdva. They decided on doing it in their own common room, switching the enchantment connected to the Touchstone to their room instead of Mildred's, and they would lay out an icy trap for the half-giant when he came by. The group went to get food and Sassley tried Nutella for the first time. The group will never be the same. Eric and Jasper did some homework and bonded over pancakes while Sassley slept off her sugar crash. The following day, the group made an extremely questionable food plate and went to Bear Shield to make friends. Thanks to some heavenly violin playing from Eric, their rendition of Happy Sunday to You got them invited into Bear Shield, where they met Leela's friends, Newton Starsong and Tylo Brand. The group went up to Loris Folivre's office to ask him about the missing student Harris Twilber. He told them that Harris had disappeared, and all that they found was a pile of never-melting snow in his place. It was likely the fault of a ritual gone wrong. He then asked them if they'd done the homework, and they all nervously left to finish, or in Sassley's case, begin their papers. Sassley spent some bonding time with Wilbur before bed, while the other two pondered their families, both separated by so much more than distance. The following day was Mildred's item creation class, a series of grueling math puzzles that left them with headaches, but also with a crystal bearer point and a cool item. The group left the class victorious and went for one more meal before going to wait for Yzerdva. In the dining hall, they ran into Peggy Sheffin and Bumper once more. Bumper was still licking his emotional wounds, while Peggy offered some information about advanced creature masters. The group went to their room and built up barricades to hide behind. They laid their trap and waited for Yzerdva, who did not disappoint. Entering in the form of a small fire salamander, the tricky prince was hard to hit at first. The battle was close, and as Yazadva's true form and power were revealed, things began to look bleak for our heroes. But in the end, it was diplomacy that won the day, as Sassley tried to pry Yazadva's motives from him, and Jasper refused to fight any further. Mildred finally produced the story of their history, explaining that Yazadva had been in love with her, but also obsessed with something in Ross Ehrenmann's possession called the Foundation Stone. He was caught in a compromising position and given one night left in Neudrachenberg. When he used that one night to try to steal the Foundation Stone instead of visit Mildred, her trust was forever broken. Mildred was still convinced of Yzerdva's evil intentions and almost destroyed him by herself. But Yzerdva refused to fight back. Finally, Eric convinced Mildred to bind Yzerdva with no further violence if he would relinquish his wand. The resigned Gazadva stepped into the ritual setup and allowed the group to bind him. The Shieldless had to do the ritual on their own, however. Mildred turned out to be the missing ingredient for the ritual, for in order for it to work, it required something or someone that Yzerdva truly loves. Now the group stands before the bound half-giant, the creator of the Touchstones, and what happens next? 
Perhaps they can use these fragments of the past to protect the present and save the future. Thank you. That's what I call it first week. Ooh, yeah, that was one week. Uh, Wild. (laughs) So I think we can safely say that the Shieldless have had the craziest first week of all time. Heck yeah. Yeah. But uh, things have developed quite nicely for them, I think. (laughs) I mean... I, I'm happy that you did that now because now every time before we record, I can listen to it to actually understand what's going on. <laughs> I love that you also need it every time before we record. Like, not just like every now and then, it's like every time. No, it's like now it's something to, you know, to fall asleep to. Even before episode 50, he's just like, listen to that little recap. Yeah, <laughs> what happened there at about? the beginning? <laughs> In that case, better hope he makes those mega recaps more often. Actually, you made that recap, and I was like, Jonathan, huh? That's that guy that brought Eric there. Yeah. He mentioned his name like a few times. I wonder if it's an important name, and I wrote it down. I immediately wrote it down. I was like, I think he is an important puzzle, right? Did you do that too? Why? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why would he name him? It's like, who is Jonathan, important? and why does he like appear in that recap? And then, why like, would hmm. he name him? Because I gave him the name on a piece of paper with my yeah. background. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was actually part of Sebastian's backstory. <laughs> I mean, it's three syllables. I mean, you could just go like oh, it's a long one. I know. Michael tends to do two syllable names. Here's the theory: oh. Jonathan is actually Flip, and he. <laughs> He disappeared because he didn't want to go to school. There you go. Or is it all a lie? Because maybe it's Jonathan Frakes. You don't Ooh. know. No, no, we don't. My name is Jonathan Frakes. And if you <laughs> believe this, then <laughs> I don't know what his line actually is. Was there anything that genuinely, like, as you listen back, that you were like, oh, that was interesting. Like, I, I, I didn't remember that. Or I wonder what would have happened if something else happened. I guess quite a few. Actually, I wonder all the time, oh my gosh, what would have happened if you would have gotten into the kitchen instead of the library, you know? I just, I always think that, but then I just go with the flow and then it's fun and then I forget it. And then you, you know, you do, you do a recap and I'm like, man, we did a lot in that first week, you know? Yeah, you did. did yeah, we did. Well, I'll, I'll start us off because this really would have changed the trajectory of the show and we're at a point now where we're in a very different place. But I think... One defining moment for the show was when you decided, you know, you, you had defeated the Alp and with the help of Peggy Sheffin's Rasselbach, you know, and she took out the, uh, these other two Alps, but you decided not to show her the touchstone. You instead decided to wait because, you know, very logically, Mildred had already asked for your help, but obviously you weren't quite really trusting Mildred either. So... I will tell you that I had an entire branch of the adventure planned if you had told Peggy Sheffin. That would have changed the entire the entire trajectory of how you would be involved in this mystery. Oh, that's Ooh. interesting. I mean, we can still go to her and, and, and <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, is it, is it like a video game where you can do the quest anyway, you know, come back <laughs> and repeat it? It's, it's, it's like one of those things where you have to choose a path, and we chose the one path and the other one is blocked from there on out, at least in that regard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> ah, ah, I guess right. I don't, I don't want to say anymore, but like, uh, I, I have to think if I, if I can say this. <laughs> you can just try it say it out loud and we tell you if it's okay or not i can say this there's there's even a trajectory where you end up 
deciding to, instead of investigate Mildred, to investigate Charles LeMay on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And then you have the opportunity to get on his side first. And you hear things from his point of view. And it becomes maybe a distrust. Maybe, Maybe there's a whole different way that you see other people in the school when it comes from his point of view. But I won't say any Ross more. Ross Ehrenmann, I tell you guys, I feel there's something going on with Ross Ehrenmann. And I, I mean, you think. here's the thing. When I snuck up that night, as that's <laughs> you know, he was busy doing something and who knows what it was. Um, no, but in Like general, trying to sleep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's very suspicious. How, How could he dare? How can he in a school like that? I mean, a, a student disappeared. How can he even think about sleeping? That is what, what I wondered. That is what I, I get you. I get you. I mean, it's just, I mean, I thought that Mildred had, you know, was evil in any way. I mean, I mentioned it once or twice, I think, <laughs> as a player, not as Jasper, as a player. No, the craziest thing was during the Yazanva fight when Lucas <laughs> said, guys, what if we change sides right now? I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, searching for possibilities. No, but um, I as think long that... as you don't search in this book of yours, I'm fine with possibilities. Oh, I haven't used it in a while. I have to yeah, say. Yeah, you did. I, mean, I feel uh... like the time is the time is coming. Why does Mildred call Yazzie my king? Why not my prince? Isn't he the prince? She didn't say my king. She said king. king. I always I have that in my mind. I she always didn't say my know. king. It was my king. You're trying to make it sound like a pet name, and it, it's no, not. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it's not about the first word. It's about king. Like, isn't he the prince? Is his father dead? Yeah, he's a prince, and he's going to be king. And he, but but he's a queen. He's a king for <laughs> Mildred. <laughs> there you go, my king. Mm. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I just say that, you know, I'll just do L-A-F-O. Listen and find out. Are you talking to, you, are you talking to me right now? Yeah, you so have, have to, to listen, listen and find, and find out. out. To the, listen to the next episode and you'll find out. <laughs> okay, that, I find that interesting. He's the um, king of her heart. <laughs> I, no, I, 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 okay. <laughs> For your understanding, we were like trying to start talking at the same time, stopped each of us and making gestures towards the camera because we are seeing each other. No, actually, Sebastian was just interrupting me, but but I'm, you know, I'm just letting him go. Hey, at least I have to kind of interrupt you because at some point you're going to make the joke again that you can't remember which character I'm playing. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, Sven. Leave him alone, he's a family man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to come back to the point, I can't, I can't help but wonder. Yeah, granted, you were kind of pushing us towards, hey, you guys still need to remember the book you wanted to pick up from the library for Mildred. Granted, we could have screwed that over, kind of. Mm-hmm. What would have happened if we didn't go to the library to stop Enda from what he was doing there? Oh yeah, I mean Enda, you know, Enda was massing power in in the in the library, and yeah, I don't know if you guys had decided not to get the Binding Rituals book, it definitely would have caused a few problems. Um, I mean, Mildred would have been like, "What the heck, you guys." <laughs> she'd have been like okay well do you have a better plan then so there would have been that aspect but yeah i mean enda was kind of building his power and uh you know what's interesting about enda i don't know if you guys could tell this from the from the way that i narrated it but like you know essentially as he took in more power as he took in more substance 
he became more and more like a truly living being. And so when you guys battled him the first time, before he expended all this power making replicas of himself, he didn't have a constitution. He's just stone. You can't, you can't knock out a stone. It's not possible. <laughs> um, you could explode it, maybe, uh, but that was a little beyond y'all's grasp at that point. You know, and then when you came out to fight him and he had taken in more power, he'd taken in more consciousness, basically. So it would have been interesting if you guys had decided not to check in on the library and Enda is kind of developing into this hyper-conscious, hyper-aware individual with vast amounts of power because, as you guys later found out, not only was he laying traps, not only was he fighting you guys and creating replicas of himself, he was also holding both of his brothers in place and 30 other young wizards. And he had also trapped and fought off all of them. So, Oh my gosh, how long? Can you imagine? We wouldn't have gone to the library for like three months. <laughs> no one thought <laughs> that. Those poor people in the, they're locked up. And Ross Ehrenmann, truly the worst, you know? He's like busy with other things. <laughs> like what? A, <laughs> the like, whole school is empty. Why are there no students going to their classes? Where are the teachers? What the hell is happening here? <laughs> it's like Dumbledore, always off like on his own journey doing his own things it's like so stuff is happening right here in your school Ross Ehrenmann get it together <laughs> I think you know I think eventually Endus kind of influence would have spread beyond the library and you guys would have found yourself because he's already probably no I mean he's certainly the most powerful being that y'all have faced but you didn't face him at pure at, at full power lucky us yeah yeah definitely and if you'd allowed him to kind of take over all of the stone in the castle, you know, where does that lead you? You you were suddenly fighting this kind of like dreadlord of the castle Neudrachenberg. And uh But if he would have been in charge of all the stone and everything in the castle, maybe he would be able to move that furniture down there. He's like, I know everything. There is a tunnel or a way. In or out, and it's locked magically. That gives me like sleepless nights. Really, it does. <laughs> this furniture so, really haunts you, huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of specific moments in our campaign, I want to ask you guys about some of your favorite moments so far. And I'll start with Sebastian. Uh, what's your favorite moment so far, and and you know why? Why is that? Dude, that that's a very tough question. I. There, there are many really awesome moments where stuff like happened, like, for example, every time Jasper opens his freaking book and tries to, <laughs> to get any kind of useful information, which ordinarily ends in Success. things going downhill even more. But that's <laughs> funny, <laughs> because we are learning the way how not to do it. And the more often it uh, is going to happen, I'm sure we will manage to kind of get to the point the book is always lying. Which we will, will be the point when the book is going to start to tell us the truth because the roads are going to be better. I kind of see that no, already is happening. Is it the problem of the book or is it the problem of the one who rolls the dice? <laughs> hey, not to blame you, I, I'm a very like surprise box too. So Sometimes <laughs> the dice just tell a story and it's, right? you know, it yeah. comes from above. It comes from beyond us. I, I mean, A, the information that kobolds like to hug. 
Perfect. Who, who couldn't use that, especially we in that I very mean, moment. My, I mean, it's not my fault if that specific cobalt didn't know his own fact. I mean, that's, that's you know, I think it's a revolution thing. But Ah, okay. You mean he was kind of the outsider in his cobalt community? Yeah. Ah, was, okay. strange. Well, he understood uh, the whole ordeal of Cecily later. Oh, that was that was true. They did have a, a bit of an understanding. That is so oh. funny okay. that you bring that up because that is actually my favorite moment. Oh, oh, we can we can do it again if you want. We can. That's my favorite. Like the moment when Cecily was so angry that she got turned into a kobold that she went to the kobold and she didn't even care, and they both were like so angry and they would just tear apart all those cards and they would be like yeah just singing highway to hell sliding I around know. on the on his back like that was a maybe that is that was a like a moment she felt connected in her anger with someone and that was so <laughs> so precious it was really so much fun just yeah that was really such a great moment it's actually so hard to decide because i feel like there's a lot of stuff that makes me really laugh when I think about it or when I listen again. I love the conversation with Newton. Usually, sadly, she doesn't care. She says stuff and people just take it or they don't. But Newton is just not emotionally affected by that. And that conversation when she just doesn't want to say his name and he's like, it doesn't make sense. It's just too, it's just Newton. <laughs> they have the same uh, syllables. Sassly Newton right. is and Sassly's like, what does that have to do with mine? Like those two people, <laughs> emotionally unavailable, like yeah. <laughs> um, talking to each other. That's so great. And um, my my personal favorite moment is actually a Nadine moment because you explain this beautiful world, Michael, that you created, and you tell us about this fir tree. And me picturing <laughs> this in was my off head. mic. This was off mic. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but me picturing in my head this. Oh, this is a great idea. He has a giant tree made out of fur. And then I and that was so in my head. And I after the recording, I I went to Michael and I was like, "Hey, I think you did a great job creating that. Like that looks awesome, a furry tree." And he was like, "No, it's a fur tree." And I was like, "What does that mean?" Because in 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 German, we don't have that word. <laughs> and he was like, "Well, it's a specific tree." And I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, it is an actual tree." <laughs> so I was like, like super it's, like a, "It's like a pine tree. It's like an evergreen." But she meant by like a fuzzy tree. <laughs> so yeah, maybe like if there's any chance um, that I could suggest that you change that now into a furry tree, yeah, a magic. That's furry an official tree. ruling. It is no longer a fur tree. It is now a fuzzy tree. So yes, a, a fuzzy giant, fur tree, a giant fuzzy tree off in the distance. That is so <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. That makes me feel better. <laughs> just have to figure out the furniture now. But everyone listening to this now that you just changed the fact about the tree. No wonder that my book is, is useless. <laughs> Because we're based on, on, on it being not a fairy tree, but a fur tree. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's like someone's just making this stuff up right on the I spot. Can't deal with it. <laughs> oh, difficult, difficult. No, do you have a favorite moment, Lucas? I mean, I have, I have some. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, in general, I, I don't know if if you mentioned it in that way, Nadine, but I always loved when we had kind of little conversations that doesn't necessarily bring us any further in the story i love these i call these bubbles because to me they're like these little moments that exist outside of the story and plot where it's just like a little bubble where your characters get to live 
And they're also totally some of my favorite moments. Yes. For instance, my I'm just going to say one, sorry, if, if you're going to say it, like when you guys were talking outside of Mildred's room after her class, after you did the math puzzles, you were just there talking there and and kind of being like, I can't wait to fight you, Zanva. Should we practice fighting each other? Uh, <laughs> you guys try to talk sassily out of practicing fighting. And then Mildred has to poke her head out and be like, stop talking about all the secret stuff super loud in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love it because it, 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 it gives us the opportunity to, to, you know, getting more alive in, in like, you know, recording but but most of it um is just super super stupid nonsense which comes out becoming uh actual stuff for the story i mean i remember when we first uh spoke to leela in our common room and i mean it was just i mean nadine i think you started it you know just oh he's blushing oh i'll let them alone <laughs> they want to talk and then since we we just you know <laughs> Use this, and and now we have this kind of semi love story between Eric and Leela, which I really like because it we created our very own story. Um, and Sebastian's every time like, Leela, LAFO, listen and find out. <laughs> listen <laughs> and find out. I loved it, and I I loved because it it gave our our characters more connection and relationships towards each other, and there's a kind of character development in a way but this is this is what jasper's whole kind of the crooks of his character is which i really love you know he jasper's almost made this mini game within the game for himself to make connections in the world to make friends to find people to care about to find people who care about not just himself but but y'all's group uh and that's something i really love about jasper which which i love because he's so passionate about it and i remember listening to it and i had to laugh so much when um Leslie wanted to eat one of the was it the bread rolls can i can i have one You're like no no they're for the other Leslie. <laughs> super angry like like a cook you know that just presented food or like is ready with making food and then just like no one can take it beforehand it's just funny because he's so driven and then he's like so precise about it you know he's always like i yeah. don't want to do this no i'm scared about that but then he has his mindset on making friends and he's like no no one does it does it has to be perfect i i think that's that's such an interesting contrast like one scene that stuck out for me so very much was like the very first fight we had against the druids that just so <laughs> stuck with me, like the way each character so handled the situation so differently. Like Jasper first trying to get somewhere where he could hide and just save his book. Mm -hmm. And Cecily trying to kind of get an idea of what to do, <laughs> looks to Eric because Eric has <clears throat> success with one thing and tries, ha I do the same, which results in the end in the next route trying to hit Eric as hard as he could. Ouch! <laughs> but it was such a beautiful scene. It was perfect. As I actually think the first fight, for me, it was literal perfection. It was just like characters being themselves, and that's what I, that's what I absolutely love. And I will say that one of my favorite moments uh, is when Sassley, you know, decided to take the hit for the team and agreed to d become a bunny. And <laughs> I love this because actually it was like such, it was y'all's first moment of pure teamwork catching bumper 
casting spells, setting this romantic mood, you know? And Jasper was actually the one who ended up catching Bumper while obviously Sassley put herself out there. So, yeah, but in uh, the end, I was the hero, <laughs> just just so we are clear. Yeah, yeah it was, it was such a great moment of teamwork. There was a great moment where you all tried to throw Sassley up over, like, so that you could see the maze oh, to try yeah. to cheat. And this is one of my favorite oh. moments that we ever recorded, but it was only our second episode and the audio got distorted. And it was our first ever post-credit scene where I left what I could save of it. Uh, there so go back and listen to that if you didn't listen to it i think it's after episode two you can hear them try to throw sassley in the air <laughs> and you, she tries to use her wings to like catch the wind to like get a little higher uh and it's just it's just fantastic like teamwork in the moment uh and it was really really magical because so early on <sighs> so i'll take this moment to talk about something else that i you know that i get to enjoy while i do this is that I'm writing this game system as we play. If you're, if you're a very avid listener, you probably hear some slight rule changes here and there. We changed some house rules. We, we gave um, critical successes. You know, when someone rolls a 20, we gave them a little more weight at one point. Master skills are something that I came up with as we played because I realized I had these super powerful magicians, wizards, mages, sorcerers doing inexplicable things. And I wanted a way to explain that. And I thought, well, let's make it into a game mechanic. And let's give the players access to these things. At the end of a full campaign adventure arc, they will have to complete their first year of school before managing to unlock any master skills for themselves. But Well, that's going to take a while. I mean, look what all happened in one week. These episodes. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But in in any case, that's that's something that came up naturally that we just needed, you know. And it's that thing where you realize you need something, so you build into it, you know. Uh, form follows function. One mechanic that we haven't even used yet, but but that's been in the game, and I just want to say this to remind our listeners is big magic, which is a very risky, highly potent magical skill. And each of our players has access to a different one. And for each spell that they fail outside of battle, they get to put one point, like a plus one point, towards rolling for big magic. So if at any point all three of them look like they are in mortal danger, or if the stakes are high enough, or for whatever reason, they decide, I want to I take a big risk here. I want to try to solve this problem that we're facing with my most innate, most powerful magic, they can unleash that into the, into the world. And they roll a d20, and if they roll high enough, they're successful with amazing, incredible, magical effects. If they fail, very bad things will happen. So <laughs> it's one of those toss of the coins, sort of, but obviously you get bonuses towards doing these successfully as you fail spells. Uh, something that's more more helpful for Sassley, who I think's failed three or four spells at this moment, than maybe yeah. uh, Eric, who has never failed a single spell in or outside of battle. Not once. But your day will come, my friend. Yeah, they will surely do. Uh, since I'm kind of sharing dice with my girlfriend. <laughs> and she has very, very unlucky rolls. Oh, funny. We, we, we kind of negate each other out. My, my good luck in that regard... Uh, her dice are toxic, kind of. You're our luck player, but I do think that every, you know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and I do think that every campaign has one, you know, player who just tends to be lucky. 
which is good. Which is yeah. good. But, you know, I'm, I'm all for people it. people like Lucas and me. <laughs> yeah, and, then, yeah, and we are more random, which is a fact. But it's but also fun. It's always that, you know, even, even that player has like that one bad day eventually. And you're like, oh, God, <laughs> we usually depend on them to get through these kinds of situations. Dang it. Yeah, well, that's something to look forward to in the future. <laughs> But I mean, like, like what, what Michael said is that, Sebastian, that you, the only thing you can do is disappoint us. <laughs> You've set the bar is... too high. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, I, I can amaze people when, you know, at some point I roll 20. <laughs> you? I know. I will, I will I keep one page of my book free to, to write that down the day that Sebastian failed the role i can already see when when that day is going to come each of you sitting there with a checklist like checking down how many times he failed something right on the calendar well it's okay my day is gonna come when i do big magic at the very end and i have 220 missed 12 <laughs> then i can do very very like, big i literally i would fail. have i would have to roll a one to fail this spell <laughs> dangerous to say by the way very dangerous the dice take that challenge that does eventually happen but it requires a lot of failed spells <laughs> <laughs> You'll have had a lot of bad moments. I know exactly the day that that Cecily is going to do big magic, and then the then the magician master is going. So Cecily, what do you do? Hip and sweep. <laughs> Just going to make sure I fail one I want, extra one right before. I want to do hip and sweep. We aren't in combat right now, aren't we? No, you are not. I want to try a spell. Why? Because I need the one extra point for emergency reasons. I don't. Well, I don't get it. Why would you ask if she's in combat? That, that doesn't matter. You're you're all on the honor system, but I see that I've made a big mistake. <laughs> so we have some questions from some listeners. Ooh. Some are patrons. Some are just people who listen to the show. And uh, we're gonna try and get through at least a few of those before the end of this bonus episode yeah so first up from ninchen sp what are your favorite movies and what are your character's favorite movies oh that's a hefty one that's a tough one it's a tough one for both of my characters because I love so many movies and series. Well, let's start with your let's start with you guys as people. Nadine, what's your favorite movie? I really don't know. I I I really have to think. There's so many good movies that I love. Like a movie that I can always watch. I can always watch all of the Harry Potter movies. All of them. Love them. And I can always. She was not paid to say that for this podcast. We 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 are not no, affiliated I, with. We Harry are not. Potter we are not. I. I, I also love all the Marvel movies, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's really hard. I cannot really. What I can always watch is like, oh, I can tell you my favorite <laughs> Christmas movie because that's the Muppet Christmas. Uh, how is it called? Muppet Christmas show in English. The Muppet and, Christmas Carol. Oh, because in German it's called Die Muppets Weihnachtsgeschichte. And I can watch it like throughout the whole year. But especially during Christmas, I can sing the songs. I can like speak along it's it's such a wonderful magical movie and it never never loses the magic for me heat wave, heat wave! <laughs> this is my island <laughs> how about you lucas what's your favorite movie Ooh, um like nadine said probably um harry potter a lot of the rings a hobbit like 
on one level for me. Now, I can attest that that's true because um, tell them what you have hanging in your home. Oh, I'm super proud. I have um, an replica or a replica of the stuff of Radagast, which is made by Weda, which is actually like the producer of all the props for the production. And so I'm, oh, that is like... It even, it even has the, the slip of paper that comes with it that's like, this might have been used on set. Very cool. Might. We, we don't know, but it's... Yeah, we're not sure. We can't confirm or not confirm. <laughs> yeah, so they, they are very high on my list. Um, if it goes to like my childhood, it's probably Alice in Wonderland from Disney because that is just my favorite Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And... To just to to close it, um, like Nadine said, during Christmas, it's probably a very new film that recently came out on Netflix. It's called Klaus. Oh, that's a beautiful one. I love that one. I too. love the story. I love the the character development. It's yeah. If you if you haven't watched it, uh, watch it, please. What, what's what's the name of the of the other guy? Oh, it's Jasper. <laughs> it's Jasper. Maybe that's the main guy, right? It's called Jasper. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it what, isn't. What, what color does his hair have? Um, well, I just, just look it up. (laughs) 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 That's Jasper when he's older. How about you, Sebastian? What's your favorite movie? Boy, that's, I'm thinking the whole time, uh, like going through my head, what, what might be the one, the one movie I think, uh, is my favorite. I, I always liked movies with fighting inside of them and good fighting choreographies and such. Um, that kind of have also kind of historic background. So I guess the, the movies which are going to more in the category, which are stuck with me because I can watch them all over again and again and again. It's totally fine for me. Is uh, one's Troy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I can watch the nice. movie over and over again, especially uh, the fight between Achilles and Hector. I love it. I love it. I can watch it over and over again. And the other one is <clears throat> The Last Samurai, actually. Oh, that's just such yeah. a good movie. I love The yeah. Last Samurai. I, I, lo- I love both of them. They can always go along. There are many more, but those two stuck. Yeah, I, I, I would add Gladiator into that list. I've watched it Ooh, so many yeah. times. And also the soundtrack is just like pff, so flipping good. Mwah. Wonderful film. Okay, well, I'm going to save the question of what your character's favorite movies are for an episode intro so now you guys know you have to think about that but i do want to get to a few more questions before we go so we're going to move on one listener wants to know is the guy who plays jasper as beautiful as he sounds uh lucas you want to take that one yeah, <laughs> sure i can um first of all that's a very good question that yeah i wonder who wrote them. that who thank you for that it's and, um, a nice compliment <laughs> i'm afraid the answer is no <laughs> oh no oh yeah. No, that is not true. He actually looks better than he sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just my way for fishing of compliments. In this fisherman, if you're listening at home to this bonus episode, I'm sorry he's not as good looking as he sounds, but he sounds so good. And he's super funny. Um, one question from Dumpster Fire Cosplay, and uh, right now I'm going to plug their podcast. That is my friend Ashley, and she is running an incredible Dungeons and Dragons campaign called Horizons Point, allegedly a D&D podcast. It is fantastic. It is like a full-on mystery, like way, way uh, more, I feel like it's more inventive and creative than what necessarily I have created in this world. 
they are officially our sister podcast. At some point, we do want to do a crossover episode with them because uh, they also, <laughs> one of their first adventures, went to the library to sneak into the restricted section. Um, <laughs> and it's just too good of a coincidence. So uh, do give them a listen. They're just fantastic. Uh, anyways, question from Dumpster Fire Cosplay. What's one thing that you have in common with your character? And what's one way that you're different? It's a good question. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think what what I probably have in common with Sasley is we probably both have a little bit of a dry humor every now and then. We can b both be a little dry then and a little on the nose with things. And what we don't have in common, besides the fact that she has giant feet, is um, 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 <laughs> is actually something I love about her. She's so straightforward and she always says the... The, like she gives the elephant in the room a name. She doesn't just mention it. She just gives it a name <laughs> and she just points at it and she's like, all right, let's talk about this. And she goes for the obvious solution and yeah, speaks her mind. And I love that about her because she's so, yeah, so free. Mm -hmm. she, she doesn't fear it because she doesn't mean any, any harm or anything bad. She just wants to be honest and figure things out. And that's something I appreciate. And yeah, that's something I think we don't have in common because, of course, in life you're more polite, you're more diplomatic, and you try to be, yeah, a little more reserved when it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but I think this is something that we all love and look up to about Sassley. I mean, it's such a core part of y'all's group and your whole group dynamic, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I think um, the question really made me think it's about it. It's a really it. good question. Yeah. Thank you, Just, Ashley. Because actually, first of all, I like Jasper. I like how he, you know, how he... He came out <laughs> in a way <laughs> um, because, you know, you first start with any with some ideas you want to, to play and then you kind of have that character and now it's even illustrated. And so I have a deep connection to him. But I feel like what, what we have in common is that I also not like I'm constantly trying to make friends, but I think that I'm constantly trying to make people around me feel good and fine. And, you know, I'm trying to avoid as many conf as much conflict as possible. And I think that is something that Jasper does too. But he also always get in uh, gets into trouble because of reasons. Um, and the thing that I don't have in common with him is, well, I'm not afraid of backpacks, to say so. <laughs> like, this is, I mean, I have a messenger bag, yes, but but I also wear backpacks yeah, yeah jasper's definitely like just in general more irrational than lucas because lucas is a very rational person who like thinks through his life and jasper just has that wild side when his brain gets spinning you never know what's going to come out of jasper's mouth um and that's the fun of hanging out with him especially on sundays yeah, yeah especially on sundays <laughs> something i have in common with eric is for sure the love for music itself. That I can pretty much say. Uh, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have a musician, magician, because that the kind of stuck to me the first time I read the whole rule system that Michael gave to us was like, yeah, I would like to have that because it, it feels like something, something nice. I like to make music for sure, mm -hmm. but not, not with like trying to play a violin <laughs> Hell, I would never be able to do that. I could easily say, we don't have in common that uh, he plays violin, I don't. That would be a bit <laughs> too easy. 
Yeah, we want to we want to know something closer to the nitty gritty. <laughs> I think something we we don't have in common is like Eric tries to stand out as much as he's kind of able to in the way that he dresses in comparison to others, in the way he uh, colors his hair, and always tries to leave the best impression, kinda. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of fine with just going my way. At a certain point, I just kind of decide for myself, I don't need to make everyone remember me. It's for me important. The people that remember me are the people worth keeping around. And the ones that can call friends and really close and stick to me in that case. I guess that's the the best difference I can find. That's right. Eric's Eric's very worried about like his... um. Just how people view him, yeah. But that's you know he's young, he's a young guy, and that's that's a part of it. You know you don't you don't get to you have to earn that right of not caring. You know <laughs> through experience, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, something that we've all had to deal with. Oh, that's great. I love that. That was a great question. Indeed, it was. Uh, Cam Jaws wants to know has a question for me. Uh, she wants to know what is Miss Mildred's favorite tea. Oh. Uh, this is a two part <laughs> answer. Um, in the morning, uh, if Mildred's not having her usual, I mean, first of all, she prefers coffee, but like she certainly drinks tea. Uh, she's obviously a caffeine addict. Uh, so if, if it's before 3 PM, she's going to have just like an Earl Grey, you know, just like a English breakfast tea, something like that. Something to really get that, that caffeine in the system. As you guys, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, she really likes floral scents. Uh, her room tends to smell, have a slight rose um, scent. You smelled that when you entered it. She really enjoys floral t uh, tastes in her tea. So, you know, you might see it just with like, uh, even if that's just like, uh, I don't know the English word, which is so weird. Hollandeblüte. <laughs> I think it was elderberry. So strange to not know the English word. This is what I've come to. Now the secrets are getting unrevealed. <laughs> he's, he's not a native speaker. It could be elderberry, but in in, in, in German it's Hollandeblüte. But also, like she'll do a rose tea. Uh, yeah, these kind of floral, something nice, something that, very aromatic that she can use to kind of unwind at the end of the day. Because Mildred, you know, she's she can be tough, she can be hard, but at the end of the day, she likes to unwind just like anybody else. You know, she needs to relax. So, okay, from Hannah's Panda, she wants to know, how did you come up with the idea to start a Harry Potter-inspired pen and paper podcast? Uh, which she asked in German. Hopefully I translated that correctly in my head. <laughs> uh, I think I did, though. Yeah, well, the, the idea for the podcast actually uh, was between me and Nadine and Lucas. And, of course, Sebastian is very integral part of this team but he he just wasn't there yet we had been talking about making some harry potter inspired content for a while and uh, i was listening to a lot of these actual play podcasts like ourselves uh on on spotify and and you know just listening to them to and from work and one night i was just talking to them and said hey what if you know because they were also talking about doing uh an audio drama a hua book and i said what if we did all of that what if we just did all of this? What if we made an audiobook-styled, actual play, Harry Potter-inspired podcast? And they both agreed 
I just I just remember that I was like I don't know what that is what 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 do you mean by that because I did not listen to any D and D podcasts or like never played it before and you were like you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it it's going to be fun and I was like I don't even understand the system and he's like I'm gonna write a whole world and I'm gonna do this and and I was like that that sounds super complicated and um, yeah I, I'm super impressed like with what you did and how how much fun it is to be in it actually but I I and I still have friends who didn't listen to to it yet, and they're <gasps> like, "Yeah, we don't we we don't know like what it is." Would we call them friends? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. No, but they're like, "We don't know what it is, and we don't understand it." So I I get I get it. It's it's not like common, like especially in Germany, it's just not like something yeah that you can find everywhere. You really have to like just like open up for it and just listen to it or like do it. In in our case. Yeah, well, Lucas and, of course, my beautiful wife really uh, supported me while I <laughs> went crazy writing the game system and writing the world and writing a creature manual, um, writing a <laughs> an items list, a conditions list, all the things that kind of went into making this. And I had a lot of talks with my older brother, you know. But the three, they they agreed that they would go in all the way with me, and that's what gave me the confidence to kind of spearhead this. And uh, Lucas and I knew Sebastian from working with him. Uh, you know, we did did some gigs together. We worked at a theme park together, and uh, fun times. That's right. And I knew that Sebastian was a very avid tabletop player and really ingrained in the world of of tabletop role playing games in a way that I was not, for instance. So I thought it was really smart to have him <laughs> on the team, and uh, we're so glad that he decided to join us. Still pretty early on, and uh, well, it's been been the four of us ever since. Yeah, so that's how uh, that's how that all came to be, you know. We kind of said, you know, with Harry Potter, the you're kind of limited with what you have access to, you know. You you have what J.K. Rowling wrote, and you have the movies or the books, and other than that, it's just fan fiction, right? We we love that world. We love that nostalgic feeling and the the way that the magic works and the whimsy of it, but the danger and the mystery. And we wanted to have access to that in a way that would keep giving in a way that was more limitless. Uh, so that's what I was endeavoring to create when I talked to these guys and we all agreed to make this podcast. So I hope that's what all you listeners at home have been getting out of this is the limitless potential of, you know, something with that whimsy and that danger and that mystery. And we hope that you've been enjoying And, and we promise we will try to solve that problem proper. Um, even though we did do some like <laughs> excursions into other directions, we still try to figure out where Flip McCool is, what happened to him, also how Sassley will gonna fly. But that's a different story. <laughs> but like, we will try to make it. I won't say anything, but I will say I won't say anything about the plot. But I will say this: things are gonna get much stickier for our folks very soon. So make sure to. Listen in. We'll be back out next Wednesday with another episode of JK We Are Rolling. And these three characters are in a room with Yazedva the Half-Giant. And, uh, well, from there on, the ball's in their court. So <laughs> do make sure to tune in next Wednesday. And until then, keep your head brain sharp and keep your wand at the ready. Yeah.